It is the Michael Bourne identity. I'm James. This is episode nine. Uh, I've said this about pretty much everyone that that I've been able to have on, but I'm super excited about this one because this dude and I are are my guests for for this episode. We've known each other for what, 15 years, 20 years, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's someone that if, if you don't know him, you're, you're really messing up and, and you're not paying attention. And if you want to, if you want to Houston so hard, you need to, you need to be taking notes uh, during, during this episode. <clears throat> he is the head soccer coach at Aleaf Elsick high school uh, state champion. The first black coach to win a, a UIL soccer championship in 2018. That was the year they had that, that Elsick had the number one team ranked by USA today he was the 2018 All-USA Today uh, Coach of the Year. Uh, one of my very best friends, uh, this is Vincenzo Cox. Vincenzo, how you been? Pretty good, James. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, trying to keep warm this time of the year in Houston. Um, I'm always going to have my Miami blood flowing through me. So <laughs> looking forward to some sunshine and some heat. But, you know, it's good to have a little seasonal change. But if the sun were to come back out, a little bit sooner. I, I'm not one of these people in Houston that complain. Yeah, no, no. We so we lived in <clears throat> my wife and I lived in New York for three years, and and it, it was like it was like 27 degrees the other morning, uh, and I and I distinctly remember it being. I was walking to work, and it was it, it had been so cold that the morning that I walked to work, it was 12 degrees, and I did not wear a jacket. And I was like, this is amazing. Like this is great. This is warm. Cool. This is a this is a really weird time of year uh, to be outside because it's windy and it, it can you know rain at any given point. Uh, yeah, no this this year like all summer long I think I just wanted to get cold and then it gets cold and I think nope nope that's that's enough of that I'll I'll take a hundred all day long. Yes, I will. I'm definitely with you. Definitely. Okay, so I want to get into I want I want to get into your role with Elsick. Um, but, but first I, I, I do have, cause we, I mean, we've talked, you know, cause I mean, we, we talk a, a decent amount, but we haven't really sat down and had a kind of a, how did we get here discussion? Um, you're from Miami, like you just said, but you went to U of H on a track scholarship. Is that right? That's 100% correct. Definitely okay. Correct. So how did you, was it, was it, you were recruited by U of H and you were like, heck yeah, that sounds cool. Like, did you, was the, well, how did your selection process go? And because if U of H is offering you a scholarship, you must have had offers from other schools as well. Like, how did you decide on U of H? So I actually uh, it was actually a, uh, when, I'm, when I, I lived in Germany um, growing up before we settled down back completely to Miami. And uh, I was always a soccer player, always. And so when I when we moved back to Miami, the soccer culture wasn't as big. And, you know, I thought about playing football, like American football and. I think I could have been a pretty good football player, at least from my perspective. But I was always fascinated with just being faster than everyone else. And so I told myself when I got to high school, I'd, I'd run track. So I dug up on track and field. I looked, I was like, hey, well, where are the best schools in the nation at? And I saw, you know, University of Houston was like, you know, Harvard for track and field or Duke, you know, for track and field. And um, so my original, a lot of people don't know this, my original um, national letter of intent that I signed out of high school. I was recruited by Arizona State University. Tom Jones, um, God bless, rest his soul. 
Coach Tom Jones, who was University of Florida head coach, and then I think he was later at Arizona State University, which was in the Pac-10. And so he offered me, and I signed there, and I, I took SATs late, and it pushed everything back, and so he told me I had to sit out a year. So I was still young enough to run um, Junior Olympics. I ran Junior Olympics, and I went to Junior Olympics, and I ran, like, the fourth fastest time in the nation for my age group. And probably by the time I got home, I got recruited, you know, by a lot of schools. And, of course, one of them was was the University of Houston. And I, I couldn't believe it. And so when I did, uh, I, you know, I went to Houston, got to meet the greatest of the greatest, and then be coached by Tom Telez, and the rest is kind of history. And so I put soccer, you know, on a background, it was kind of, I always, my college roommate would always hear me talk about it. Like, man, I can play soccer, I can play soccer. And he said, man, you're an athlete, you know, you're a track athlete. And I was like, no, I can play, I can play, I can play. I can play. And then um, I just stayed in the track and field world until I came to a crossroad. <clears throat> so can you describe that process of going from track? And, and like, and, and and I know him too, but, but a couple of your, Sort of mentors or guys that that took you under their wing were Leroy Burrell uh, and Mike Mar- Mike Marsh, former gold medal Olympic winners. How do you go from 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 track to coaching soccer? Like, how did that process? How did how did you get from point A to point B? Um, for sure, it was it was pretty hard because uh, by the time I got to uh, Elsick High School, I'd already completed you know. Um, what is known to be an athletic career window. Your athletic career window, it seems like a lot, even though it has a big impact in someone's life, but it's really only a small window in your life. It's only eight, 10 years, five years, but it's a big impact. And so then you have to transition. So um, when I got to the school, I was still playing in the local leagues and I was still you know, young enough to be super active. And so I didn't want any part of the coaching part because that would take away from me playing. That's what happens when you're when you're fit enough to play. And so um, when I eventually did take over, um, it was it was pretty tough because I would say you you go over something and you think kids get it, and you also go over from your perspective based on what type of athlete that you were, and you tell kids to do things based on the type of athlete you were, and I. Um, it took me a, a, bit, a couple of years to realize that the kids, me and the kids were two different type of athletes and they approached things different ways. So I described this Vincenzo athletic mentality and just kind of look at it um, from the, my, my, um, my athletes, my players perspective and try and help develop them from there, which was so, a journey but, itself. Yeah, no. So the, the track, your track background has to play a role in how you coach like how how did your past experiences how i guess how have those helped you moving forward and and getting elsick to an elite level as far as as far as high school soccer goes not just in not just in Houston not just in Texas but mm-hmm. nationwide recognition so i can tell you this so when you have gotten exposure to i won't say me i'll say it, every day-to-day exposure to greats like Carl, Leroy, and all of them. And then their expectation on you, 
is to excel and then look for the highest level you could possibly find for where you're at. And so I got to where I got to be one of the, the better hurlers in the nation and we had one of the best programs in the nation. And they made that like super, super common for me. They made it really, really normal without making a big deal for me. So obviously when I transitioned over, I think expectations of what everyone else thought was going to be very good was completely different from what I came from at Houston. And that allowed me to um, come in and just raise the bar and not be so excited about things that people would have been happy about before. So um, just to put it in perspective, like I was really, really happy to finally win the title and all that. But uh, when you come from Houston, man, there are people there who won like 14 or 15 titles or something. So, <laughs> so when you win one, it, it wasn't enough to just sit back and say, hey, I'm going to retire. It's, it's like, all right, how can we improve from there? And so that whole mentality and that exposure and, and just the, how big the world is in track and field and knowing how the world is in soccer um, and looking at it in perspective, I didn't let that uh, overwhelm or, or uh, take things out of, uh, out of context as to how big, it was big for the kids, but in the rest of the world, the big scheme of things, um, we, could, we could definitely manage and cope with some future success and not let it get to us. I've looked at your roster and, 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 you know, done some, you've done some reading and, and I'll, I want to talk about the state, the, the state championship here in a second, but you've got, you've got kids from Mexico. You've got kids from El Salvador, Ivory coast. Like you've got, you're getting kids to come to Elsa and play soccer for you that are, it's all around the world is I, I guess. And, and I guess maybe this question's in two parts. Is that a, uh, how many of them is, that's just the dynamics of Southwest Houston with, <clears throat> you know, with, with immigration and, and how much of that, I guess, is now you've got kids from all over the world that, that they want to play at Elsick. They want to play for you. Like, like how, I guess, I guess what, what came first? Did, did this, did the, and obviously you've been good. Y- y'all have been really good for, for a long time. When did the tide start to turn? I, I guess is my question. On you're getting kids that you know, that the recruiting has already been done for you, and you're not breaking any UIL rules. Like, how do you? What came first? Did the 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 the, the population pool of Elsick High School uh, or the soccer success? So it went in different phases. So now I can look back at back at it. I can see that when the kids inside the school that weren't taking soccer as serious. When they found out they got a new coach and kids were like, hey, the coach has played soccer before. Then tryouts from within the school, that boomed. Yep. And then when we got better, then we get those, those few kids in our district that are lottery picks for other schools, but mm-hmm. they use the sibling transfer. And so the sibling, when, when then we get those kids who want to come because all their family went here. You know, and mm-hmm. so they'll come because their family went here. And then um, that really blew up. And then after we, you know, we went to state the first time I started, you know, people started asking, hey, can they move their kid in here? And I'm like, well, if you do, you still have to go through a lottery. So it's, it's nothing is guaranteed. Then after we won state, 
it blew up. And so I literally started getting DVDs, um, letters, packages from kids like in different countries, Colombia, in Africa, um, kids in Canada, literally sending me their DVD saying they want to play. I guess it went, you know, when you hear this USA Today thing, um, which is a big honor. But I guess when that when that blew up, you know, we they said, Coach, you have more mail coming in and we have stuff coming in and kids emailing me things, you know, to look at them, you know, think maybe I can come to your school. I think they think it's that easy. And, <laughs> and I'm like, there's no way I can control a visa. There's no way I can request you. You know, your family would have to move here. You would have to draw a lot. There's a lot of things that would have to happen. And it's not easy to get into America, as people think. And then there's another component where you have um, – staff members within the district who um, will allow their kids to come to ELSIC because they know, you know, not uh, uh, aside from soccer, they know that their kids going to be in a safe environment, you know, with, I feel like with me, I feel like my, one of my strengths is making sure that I'm doing my best to protect everyone's child, you know, at school um, with the, the social aspect that teenagers go through. Um, so, you know, you have administrators who, Maybe they live in another district. They're allowed to have their child come, be zoned in here, establish residency, and let their kid come and play there. And so we've had people that have, um, a couple, only a couple that have wanted to do that, and it's worked out. And you know, um, it's really grown. But you you try and do your best with everyone that comes to those doors and and wants to be a part of the program. So we've had <clears throat> situations where where either an administrator or an assistant principal or, you know, someone in the district uh, has said like, you know, has, has come to us and been like, Hey, this is my nephew or, you know, grandson or, you know, my cousin's, you know, son or whatever. Uh, I'd really like it if you <clears throat> took a look at them for the soccer team. And it's, it's sort of been implied, like we, we'd better find a spot for that kid. That, that's a friend of situation. And, and we want to make, we want to make sure that the yeah. right people are happy. How do you manage that when you're on when you're on a an international radar? We try and um, we try and find a spot for the kid. We try. You know, <laughs> we, we try to. Um, even if the kid is not the most talented kid, sometimes there are positions or areas in a team where it's not about talent. Maybe that kid is a good mentor to some other kids. Maybe he's a good spirit. Maybe he's a leader who's not a talented player. And so we try and find a role for them to fit in. Um, some kids maybe, maybe after a couple of years, they say, "Hey, can I be the manager? Hey, can I mm-hmm. be? Uh, can I do your film?" And so some of them, it, it's different. So it, 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 and some kids get a chance to come there and see. And some of them, they're honest and they'll go, "Well, I didn't know it was going to be like this, and I'm, I'm not as good as what I thought I was compared to some of the other kids." So. Um, we try and we we try and find a spot. It's not that easy, um, but we try to, you know. And it's not based on the parent pressure, but you know the fact that a kid is willing to um, choose this school over another school, you know, that they drew, you know, maybe like a rival school, you know, that shows that they care. And so I try and do my best to educate that kid as much as possible and make them fit in. It's it's interesting, sort of managing the dynamics of you know, kids that are anywhere from, you know, 15 to, to maybe 18 years old, 
I, I, you told me about you told me about this, and then I and then I read a little bit more about it. But I read the story about, and I want you to I want you to tell it. But you had a kid from from the Ukraine, uh, and and there was he he found <clears throat> like the one other kid that spoke Russian, uh, and he was I think the Russian kid was on the team. The Ukrainian kid wasn't all that good, but but you kept him on the team. And, and, and that, that resonates with me because I've, I've definitely done, I've, I've, I've kept a kid on a team because he will actually sit on the bench and, and talk and yell, you know, man on and time and turn and whatnot. And, and so, but I, I want to hear you, you tell it, like, why did you keep the kid that wasn't that good on, on the team? Cause it's a really cool story. Sergey was six foot eight God. and, um, and he looked, we were thinking like, geez, man, we're going to have us a keeper. <laughs> so, um, but Sergey came from uh, a part of the Ukraine which was riddled with with war, and so the kid was kind of shell shocked. And so this was for him to come to uh, even even in a leaf where we have our rough edges over there. We have a lot of rough edges. For him to come to there from a war environment man he was so happy and felt so safe being there and he didn't have a friend there and Sergey was six foot eight he was he's he white he's anglo so mm -hmm. he there we don't have that many anglo kids at our school so the one thing he could find that would fit him in was a little bit of soccer a little bit and so we put him on jv he loved it the kids in school loved him um and you could still see the sometimes you could see the pain in his eyes you know from what he left behind and then we had Hanif who showed up and Hanif was a fantastic player but Hanif didn't speak in a bit of English and um when I, I paired him up and I was like well, we got a kid here we need someone to talk to it was perfect so Hanif ended up becoming a varsity kid for us for two years and um Hanif came from Russia, but it was a huge boost for him. And when we kept Sergey, we had no idea around the corner we would get Hanif. Mm -hmm. So we were just doing the right thing by Sergey. And sometimes when you do the right thing by someone, something else comes in fold with that. And um, man, Sergey, he was so happy. He told me, thank you. The next year he said he didn't want to play um, because by that time he was safe, he was comfortable, but he loved coming to games and, by that time, you know, it gave him a social uh, a social ground to stand on. Now he could find friends and find his own way at school. And once he did that, you know, we released him out into the school and he knew he always had a home in our locker room. He knew he always had a home. So um, I'll never I'll never forget him for that. And I'll, I'm glad I'm glad we got to be a part of helping him, um, you know, mend any uh, any any gaps in his life from what he left in uh, Russia to come here, Ukraine to come here. That's so cool. And <clears throat> so there are, there are three of us on our, on our coaching staff. Uh, we're, we're down a coach and, and they decided that with all the COVID stuff going on, we didn't need a fourth. Um, but <clears throat> like, I'm the only one, I'm the only one that, that did not speak Spanish. Uh, and then once quarantine hit, I thought, all right, I, I need to make good use of this time. And I, I need to learn some Spanish. And now I'm to the point where I'm somewhat conversational, but you're dealing with, you know, it, Spanish pretty much takes care of, of all the language issues that we have on, that we have in our school, but you've got, you know, you've got kids from all over the world. Like, how do you, how do you manage that language barrier? Is that something that, 
the, the soccer just takes care of itself and, and you, that that's your common ground or like, what do you do when you've got a kid from Russia that comes in and doesn't speak any English? Like, how do you, how do you get with that? And obviously you know, helped having a kid from the Ukraine. Uh, but like, I guess, how do you approach those sort of linguistic challenges? So there are kids. So the Russian kid was, Hanif was, was rare. That was rare. <clears throat> and we were fortunate to have Sergey. Had he not, I probably would have done the same thing what I do to some of the kids that come and speak Spanish. So in a healthy way, sometimes I tell the kid, don't speak Spanish to him so that we can push him to learn. And right now we've got a kid that um, came last year, no English at all, only Spanish. And he's been struggling to, to push himself to learn it. And so this kid, he's a, he's a leader. He can understand me and he can understand soccer when I'm coaching, he can understand me, but him getting comfortable to speak it um, it's been hard. So for him, I, I put him under the fire. I said, look, we need you to be a captain next year. You will not be a captain unless you improve your English so you can communicate with the whole team. You oh. will not. No, you will not. And so um, that's kind of pushed him because, and it's not, it's just him pushing for soccer. He's just going to need that to function here in America anyways, you know, and so mm -hmm. he, that'll go a whole lot further than anything he's ever going to do in soccer at Elsick. And so those are some of the big things. And that's an example, but, you know, we, we tell a lot of kids, a lot of kids learn from watching television. We tell a lot of kids, Hey, you need to watch more. And then some kids, sometimes when it, something needs to be interpreted, I'll say, Hey, let's get an interpreter. And then other times I'm like, nah, we're going to, we're going to push them. You know, we're going to push them and the kids, they respond well and they want to be on the team. Well. And um, I always tell kids this, I ask them who their favorite player is. They'll say, Luis Suarez, Neymar. And I'm like, you don't think when these guys go to foreign countries, you don't think they have to learn another language in their new adventure? You know, like Robinho went to England. He had to learn English. He had to learn something. He had to take English classes. And so mm -hmm. for you, this is your foreign mini adventure that you're getting to take. And you get to bring this home and it gets to educate you and help your mind grow. So it's really worked out well. You know, we've been, I'd say we've been overall 90 95% successful pushing kids to, to develop their language um, barriers. Y'all went 25, 0 and two in 2018, the year that y'all won state. <clears throat> when, when did you realize that team was special? You said you'd been to state before, but when did you, when, was there a point, you know, and, and maybe it was November, December, January, you thought, nah, this, th this could end in, this could end with a trophy. Um, man, James, I've thought like about five or six teams were special. I thought they were. And the group that graduated the year before left some huge holes. So um, this group here, you know, we and we had been to the regionals before this school. We've been to regional semifinals we've been to the regional final mm -hmm. we had won state before so um you know I, I know that one thing that stuck with us was I had to discipline a kid and I don't think anyone knows this story so you're gonna get something here <clears throat> so I, had to, I had to discipline a kid um I did first of all I had to discipline a group of kids when we went to state in 2013 a couple of kids I disciplined a couple of kids and it ended up impacting the game. So fast forward 2018, 
I had to discipline a kid who was a big part of our our team. Um, and people were literally in the stands in the first round of the game, first round playoff game. We were losing. We were losing first round playoff game, 12 minutes left. And this, you put this kid on, you're going to win. It's over. You put him on, you're going to win. I wasn't, I don't care. I wasn't going to play him, you know, because I'm not going to sell integrity. I'm not going to sell it. And so this kid, that what that's going to tell that kid is, is, you know, he, he, he does want me to do the right thing, but if he needs what he wants more than he wants me to do the right thing, he'll sell his soul for it. And so the, they were in the stands. We want X, Y, Z. We want to <laughs> around. And I said, he's not playing. So you can forget about it. And so the rest of the guys, they pulled through. Um, we won in overtime um, to the lowest seed probably in the city. We had to pull <laughs> that out. We won in overtime. And then um, when I saw them pull out like that without him, and then we, we did well in the next playoff game he didn't start he was on the bench as well um I was like okay let's let's just take it game by game but I didn't I don't think I realized they were special special until the end because you know you've you've been that far and you had your heart broken so many times you just like look until I see it in ink I'm not (laughs) yeah I I remember there are a few wins that that I remember with our varsity um, but I remember the losses <clears throat> way more. And, you know, we made it to the regional final in 2017 and we were 5A at the time and we were playing Waller. And I, I feel like Waller bounced us out of the playoffs like like three years in a row. And to the point now where whenever I'm driving to Houston and I see that Bucky's in Waller, it, it gets a, a very special finger thrown in its direction. <laughs> uh, but it was it was one of these things where, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was, we played it in college station and it was like a 40 mile an hour wind and they had it at their back uh, in, in the first half. And, and it, it was, it was two nothing at halftime, but, but then at halftime we had one of the goals that they scored, it went right through our keeper's hands. Like it's a save that he makes 99 times out of a hundred. And then we get the wind at our back to start the second half and we score within like 20 seconds. We're like, oh, it's on now. But then from we we hit the post four times, we hit the crossbar twice. Like we just never got that that second goal, and and that's what kept us from going to state. The following year, we 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 were playing Huntsville, like in the second round, and it was a game that if we play that game again, ninety nine times out of a hundred, we get away. But like four minutes before the game started, our our starting outside back was on the ground holding his foot. And we we're like, and so I went over, I was like, what happened? He's like, I don't know. Something just, I, I, I took a shot and, and I landed and something just felt weird. And, and he, he broke his foot like in warmups and, and was out for the game. And that kind of threw, kind of rattled everybody, but we were just dominating, dominating, dominating. And then there was lightning like a mile away. And so like Huntsville was gassed. We get to go inside, you know, for 30 minutes, they get to regroup. We're about to come back out and it, and there's, there's another lightning strike. So it's another 30 minutes inside. And basically like, it was just, it's one of those, you just can't explain. You, you cannot explain. At the time when you went in, it was, uh, we were down one, nothing. I think we ended up losing two, nothing or maybe two, one, but like our rhythm was just 
blown and it was it was just one of those wild games do you remember the two ties in 2018 yeah yeah they were <laughs> who were they against one was against our rival school next door neighbor and the other one was against brazos woods and um we were we were down against brazos woods and a kid made a, a mistake that we kind of go over all the time all the time and he he let them in and I maybe they were winning. They well they were winning two one. And so we had a two zero and we had a two one and we had to come from behind and tie. Mm-hmm. And then um and so even when we got on the bus, the ride from Elsick to Brazos Hood is almost two hours for a district game. So that's a district game. Yeah. Even when we got on the bus, you couldn't hear a sound. You know, with the tie, you couldn't hear a sound. And so the other was with our rival school, and um, they probably in all the years I've been here at Elsick, maybe they've won one game, maybe two in 12 years. Mm-hmm. And so they had us 1-1 with one minute left in the game, and they were awarded a penalty. Oh, no. And, yes. And our goalkeeper saved it. And he was celebrating and why, and the kid came in and followed through with it, but he kicked it out of bounds and our goalkeeper saved it. He followed through the kid. When our keeper parried it, he parried it right back to him. The kid put it out for a goal kick. So while they were, had their heads down Hastings, while they had their heads down, all our goalkeeper had to do was get up with 40 some seconds left. Play a goal kick to a player who was wide open. At the <laughs> and it would have been the most strangest turn of events. I know you've seen that that Twitter uh, with the English championship playoff game where they're taking a penalty and they're about to do it. And then from that penalty, it turns into a counterattack. And yes. Yes. And so we could have re- we could have reenacted that scene. <laughs> we could have went from the lowest to a gut wrenching win. We could have done that, but we ended up tying and, you know, the kids were, were, were a little bit disappointed because everyone's still looking for the mythical no-tie undefeated season. Everyone's yep. still looking for it. We got pretty close last year, but we made, uh, we made a bad mistake. And then uh, there was some suspect officiating at that game. There always is. Refs are terrible. <clears throat> but, yeah. Um, so – we had one tie last year, so we were close to our school record. So last year we were on route for our school record of wins. I think we were 21-0-1. That's correct. So, okay, so that was my next one. Like, how was your season going? We had already clinched a playoff spot. Um, it was just a matter of kind of figuring out who was going to be second and who was going to be third um, it, for for us. <clears throat> how – how? so y- y'all were y'all were killing it up, up until the, the shutdown, right? We were, we were that that uh, that tie really um ticked off a couple of our players um and it was their senior year and you know they just wanted to go through. We've never went through. We've always had some you know some tie that we've been careless about. And so we we were still twenty one on one. We had one more game left before playoffs, so we had already clinched winning our district, but um. You know, this group of kids, there were four or five 
six players from that group that won the state title two years ago. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of returners from that group. They were just sophomores. So they were determined to leave and graduate as state champions again, but with their own, you know, on their own shoulders, not on the shoulders of those seniors from four years ago. Right. So, I mean, COVID just kind of robbed us of, of an opportunity that I think we could have, we could have really uh, got a chance to be in the driver's seat and see where we're going to go with it. You, you mentioned Hastings being, <clears throat> being your big rival. My, I've, I've not had a chance to come see an Elsick Hastings game just because, you know, I've, Tuesdays and Fridays are pretty busy, you know, through, through March for, for me as well. Those games are absolutely insane. Like if you're in Houston and you want to see the closest thing to a USA versus Mexico at Azteca, like, like that's, that's Elsick Hastings, right? It used to be, it used to be, but now because of, you know, that's why, that's why I don't even care to watch video with other teams because you look at the video and then it's misleading. And then when that team plays against you, then it's USA against Mexico. So every game <laughs> against Elsick, there are some teams that will play us harder than Hastings. So that's why I just, I don't even like to watch the video because they'll look like one way playing against another team. But then when they play against you, you're like, wait, man, are these the same players? You got the target on your back. Yeah. Yeah. You got the target. So, the best thing, so it's not, it's not so much. It's like almost every game's a rival game, man. It's like every single game, like these kids, they can't get a break. And so you got to prepare them for that, you know, mm-hmm. and the rival games are just, it, it's, it's any game. The rivals games are, they're just regular games for us now, you know, but they're, they're, they're still going to be just as tough. One of the things that we're dealing with <clears throat> is, is, is grades and eligibility. Um, is that is that just because you know we've got you know most of them are in person, some of them are, are are remote, but just getting them to to remember that you haven't been on spring break since March. Like the you you have to log in and 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 do some work. Like this isn't just a sabbatical uh, for you. Is that how are you? And and I know that there's a there's a team in our district, and I'm not going to say who it is, but they've, they basically told all of their athletes, you know, you're, you're going remote. You are not going to get COVID. We're not going to have any games canceled. You are staying remote. You're going to wash your hands all the time. Uh, you're going to show up to practice and, and we're going to get through our season. Is that like, how have you handled this sort of pandemic semester and making sure that the kids stay eligible? Cause we're, we're about, well, we're, we're decimated by grades right now. So the, the super good thing about the, um, the climate of our program, the super good thing is um, when I first got to Elsick, they were known as, as this because we used to be in the same district with the Katy schools. And so they were known like, yeah, Elsick has all these talented players, but they all fail. They all fail. So we had, we put it together my first year, you know, went third round, put it together. Um, then slowly but surely within about a four year period, well, that's a whole class. It changed the entire climate. So now the kids put the pressure on in the right way. Like nobody wants to be that one kid that was ineligible. Before we had five or six starters that would be ineligible. Borderline. Now no one wants to be that one kid ineligible in the program. So mm-hmm. I think COVID has us maybe with a couple, maybe about two kids on the ropes with grades. Um, and so they've struggled with the online um, thing. But usually in general, you know, I probably, 
I, I want to say I went a stretch of probably three. I want to say four, three years without a kid being ineligible. I want to say that. And so the when you walk in the doors and then you see that the older, more experienced, quote unquote, superstars in the, the, the locker room take their grade serious. There's no way you're going to think that if you're not as good as him, there's no way you have room to, to even think about, you know, not turning an assignment or failing. So, you know, we have some we have some good. We have we have a good uh, academic culture there. You know, we have a good academic culture right now. We have a kid who is the number five kid in our class overall academically. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then we also have a kid who's on pace to be valedictorian. And That's great. Our last, our last two valedictorians are at Harvard. Yo. So, so yeah. So we have we have some good academic kids. Although COVID is giving us our share of, um, you know, our share of uh, of, of struggles. So, so it is a little bit. We we do have some concerns. I have this theory, and then and then I'll 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 let you go. Um, I have this theory that that because of sort of the demands that have been placed on teachers. Uh, to accommodate in-person students as well as remote students. And, and basically that's double the work. You know, a, a couple of days a week, you may be able to get away with saying like, look, I've got a headache. I've got a sore throat. Like I'm not feeling good. Just log in and, and watch the video that's online and, and do the assignment. But, but most days, like it, it's just, you're, you're, you're doubling your, your workload. I have this theory <clears throat> that the teachers are putting in so much extra time that when a kid doesn't do an assignment, whereas in the past, you might just pull them out in the hallway and be like, look, bro, you got, you got to figure your crap out. Now they're starting to take, the teachers are starting to take that personally. <clears throat> and they're kind of starting to wear out, wear out kids on grades. Do you, is that a, do you, do you see that? Is that a valid theory? Is that, that it's, that it's just teacher spite <laughs> at this point with, with grades because of how much pressure teachers are under? Look, when I see how many opportunities that the kids get and why we have a kid that's an athlete and I see how many opportunities I give kids nine out of ten times if like we got a couple kids right now that probably won't pass nine out of ten times I'm gonna say no 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 ten out of ten times I'm gonna always go with the teacher but here knowing Mm -hmm. that the teacher's gone the extra mile I'm I'm not going to look at the teacher sideways. I'm probably going to give the kid this dirty look, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm probably going to give you, and then which is going to impact the team because now we're missing a center back or we're missing a midfielder because of you. And so now that's going to disrupt, you know, possibly disrupt maybe how my JV starts or how our freshman team starts, you know, so now it's, it's a little bit, um, it's bad. So, um, but yeah, I totally understand the teacher because I'm all, I've also been put in that position where I've asked, can the kid get, I know you give the kids a hundred chances. Can you give them 101 chances? Can you give them sure. one more on top? And so now I'm on that and I'm like, heck no, like, dude, like I'm giving you, you know, you know, things that, you know, you, we, we wouldn't even dream of before. So um, yeah, the demands, I, I kind of support the teacher and I don't think everyone kind of comprehends it. So um I had a parent conversation the other day and the parent was 100% supporting me. Like mm-hmm. my kid has been out of line, so they're going to get what they deserve. So that was good to hear for a child. That's good. Yeah. No, having that parent buy-in is massive. Yes. So, <clears throat> okay. So with realignment, uh, this, this is the first year of, of new districts. 
Um, we have we have a pretty tough district. How did how did your district change? We dropped a school and we picked up a school. So we dropped Brazos Woods, which I think they had to do that geographically because for a district game on a Tuesday night, driving an hour and 45 minutes, that's a no-go. You know, that's a no-go. Unless you are literally out in Midland and you have to go, you know, you know, unless you literally live where that's that's the only way you can go. But in Houston you can fix the puzzles, you know, yeah. a little bit differently. So, um, so we dropped um, Brazos Woods and we picked up Shadow Creek and Alvin High School, which are still a bit away, but, you know, there's still, you know, there's still some Google direction maps, you know, 25 <laughs> miles away, you know, that's still normal, you know, the yeah. kids are still familiar with the, the surroundings there. So we picked those up and everyone else in the district kind of stayed the same. So, we're still, it's still going to be a tough district for us. So what, what are the key dates? If you want to go see straight up one of the best high school soccer teams in, in Texas and in the country play, uh, what are the, what are the games that you would, <clears throat> anyone that's listening that, that thinks, all right, yeah, I'll go check it out. Like what, 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 what do you pick? Man, James, that's a hard one. I don't know if I'm going to be able to give you a few key dates because on any Let's go game, to every game. Yeah. Yeah. You, any game you pick, you're going to see, someone coming to play us until we put the game away. So these, these teams that are coming to play us, like they're not backing down. They're looking to like, Hey mom, look what I can do. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not, they're, they're not back. We scrimmaged a school the other night and the kid, um, and you know, I worked on different things in scrimmage and the kid scored a deservingly awesome goal. James, that was all over Instagram right now. I could show you that. And the kid put <laughs> up there, yes, against Elsick. And it was a scrimmage, but I mean, a goal is a goal. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, it's a moment. So, you know, um, you know, I wasn't surprised as to what was going to happen, but I think some of our new players were like, yo, they're making a big deal about that. And I'm like, yes, yes, it's a big deal. It's a great goal. <laughs> and, you know, that was on you. So it, it you know, it depends. So um, um I it just, I would say, any game, I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't pick one or because I want. I want to honor all our opponents too. You know. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to honor all our opponents, but that was a good. You know, it's a good question. But yeah, I would definitely say any. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll. I'm going to devote significant space on my cursed blog, Astros County, to following you guys. Uh, and y'all are on my Max Preps follow list. Whenever I go in and check, I want to. I want to keep up with y'all because because like I said, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, and I love you and appreciate you. And um, so love you too. definitely, but, definitely love you too. Definitely. best wishes on the season. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, go watch Elsick play. You're going to see crap you've never seen before and, and stuff that you would not expect from a high school soccer game. So Vincenzo, thanks so much. Best of luck this season. Let's do this again sometime. James, likewise, looking forward to it. God bless All you. Right. Man. I love you.